2: Welcome to the Nerds Podcast, number five fifty-six. I'm going to be performing on the Oddball Comedy and Curiosity Festival, Ooh. which is uh, starts oh. this weekend. Oh, I hope it's going to Tampa. It's going to Tampa. Yeah, on it's Friday. going to Tampa. You're not going to be in Tampa, yeah, though. You never know. No, How super awkward would that be If, you just if up I just Tampa? walk up in Tampa Like there's no way you don't assume I'm murdering you at that point <laughs> Kyle what are you My last words are Kyle <laughs> What are you Matt oh, would owe Jonah so much money Oh man uh, Yeah but our first week, our first days in Tampa On the 8th and then the 9th Charlotte, North Carolina And then Atlanta on the 10th And uh, if you go to oddballfest.com uh, the lineup's insane and'm um, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. and we're, I'm doing like 15 of 20 cities so through the next couple months. Madness. It's gonna be pretty crazy. I'm doing a tonight show on the 11th. What? I know What? I know never done this tonight show before. I'm very excited about it. Are they gonna wave you over? Uh, <laughs> I'm not doing stand-up on it I'm just I'm just, I'm just oh. doing panel. Sorry, in my mind, Drew Carey is the only person who's done The Tonight Show? Yeah. No, a lot of other people have done it. And there have been a lot of other hosts since Johnny Carson, to too. Oh, Yeah. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. It's fun, like, a lot. I mean, you're probably watching At Midnight. That's probably why yeah. you didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Alicia Witt, who um, was a fantastic guest. I... I I don't know her that well, but I've been acquainted with her and hung out with her, and uh, she was super cool. And she's uh, she's a not just a great actress, but also a fantastic musician. She's uh, performing at the Hotel Cafe in Los Angeles on August 10th. She's also on Justified uh, on FX, and she's in a new play called Reasons to Be Pretty, which is running July 29th through August 31st at the Geffen Playhouse. Ooh. So. Um, Find Please. Alicia Witt on the internet. I mean, this, I mean, or right now, actually, would be the quickest way to find her. Just don't do anything and keep listening to the Nerdist Podcast, number 556. Uh, um, unless they're breaking out that audiobook and getting the setup, of course. I said to wait.
3: All right, Fine, for that. Pal. But I
2: want it now. I'll see you in Tampa. All right. Alicia Witt.
1: <laughs> now entering Nerdist.com.
2: I brought this for you. I don't know if you like them. Uh, they sent us a bunch.
0: Oh, thank you. But, I, but you've
2: I, been to Tennessee a million times, so you've seen the Goo Goo Cluster.
0: I I haven't actually. You haven't? But I it's know, a Tennessee fave. I don't eat milk.
2: Oh, well so then don't. So that's
0: probably why I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's
2: dumb.
3: Is goo made with milk?
2: I hate it. What? Is
3: that what goo is made out of?
2: I think there's some yeah. I think there's some milky goo in there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, that sounds bad.
3: Uh, but it. But
0: did you know Oreos are vegan?
3: Yes, they are. Yes, they are. That's, that's why you see a lot of fat vegans. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. Oreos. yeah.
0: It's very possible to be a, a really unhealthy vegan.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, the, essentially, you can always find a way to abuse your body no matter how, mm-hmm. no matter what type of choice you're making yeah. uh, dietarily. So it's, it, that's right. it's good to know.
3: <laughs> that you can still
2: eat a pile of Double Stuff Oreos. Yeah.
3: You can go to you go to Taco Bell. You can uh, make vegan burritos there. <coughs> Subway. You can How get, can you go to Taco Bell and make vegan burritos? Because you can get uh, – their beans don't have any meat uh, right. products in it. So you can just get like – But if that. you're really getting granular Sub about it
0: – avocado, uh, oh. like guacamole for the cheese. And
3: you're positive um, they're I'm. using completely different
2: – they're not like scooping meat and then scooping – well,
3: no, they have different squirting devices for all the food that comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, any food that can be squirted onto yeah, yeah. some other Stuff. type of food is... I'm, yeah, no, it's like when I, was, uh, when I was a kid, I had a lot of uh, vegan friends, and like, that was like one of the places we'd go that, and Subway were the places that they could go eat too. Yeah. yeah. How long have
2: you been in the, uh, the vegan clan?
0: Almost five years. How is it? It's fantastic. That's- I, well, I love it. I think it's really easy to to find food anywhere.
2: Well, you look goddamn healthy. Thank you. So that's, that obviously there's, <laughs> you know, whenever, I don't know, sometimes I've seen people who are vegans that look amazing, like at any age. And the other time, I've seen other people, I'm like, I'm not sure if you're doing it right because yeah. you look a little unhealthy. Me too. Yeah. So I don't know, like, what is the healthy guide to veganism?
0: Um, you need to make sure you get things like beans, and nuts, and healthy fats in your diet, Mm -hmm. and that does not mean Oreos. (laughs) That means means coconut oil, avocados, um, grapeseed oil is good. Um, Yeah, nuts have a lot of healthy fats in them. Mm -hmm. So you definitely don't want to avoid fats, and beans and legumes are important too. It doesn't have to be all soy. I think that's also not very healthy if you're having soy or soy Byproducts with every single meal. I Ten guess
3: and stuff like that. You yeah, get real like a lot of saturated fats and stuff. Like I that, guess ultimately right? too well, much of anything is sure. covered.
0: With soy, it's more about the GMOs. Oh, it's okay. really difficult in this country to find non-GMO soy, even if it says it's non-GMO. Oh, okay. Uh, because it's just we went overboard with soy when we found out how healthy it was and uh, how, how much they ate it in Japan and all of that. But then we went nuts and we started having soy in everything. And so the crops are just, it's almost impossible to find true non GMO and because soy has estrogen in it, it's a little even more iffy with soy than other crops when it gets GMO. That would yeah.
2: explain the tits that started growing on my shoulder. Yes. Yeah, that's a, a ton weird of soy. So yeah, I have these weird shoulder tits now.
3: Yeah. Uh, but that, yeah, I think that will happen with any kind of craze. And like, I'm wondering what's going to happen with the, the, the coconut uh, water craze that's happening. Mm. You know, things are going to get overdone. Almond milk is big now. People love the almond milk. People mm. lo- I like almond milk better than soy milk. I do too. I do too. Yeah, too. Big fan of it. But have it you ever made it? Uh, no, I I started to, and then I messed it up, and then I realized that like, you needed the, the bag. What's that like? The that nut
0: milk bag. Nut
3: milk bag. That doesn't sound
2: good. <laughs>
3: yeah. the nut milk I know. Bag. It really gross. doesn't. They should come
2: up with a better name for that than nut milk yes. bag. <laughs> <laughs> that's really a disturbing... That's a disturbing term. I know. Couldn't they call it the almonding sack or the... Um, no, nope. not milk. bag, no. really just described it. <laughs> 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 they should, yeah. you know, in these types of situations, take whatever the term is and just make it French, and then that immediately just skims off any of the that just. Uh, do you speak French? I, I,
0: no, I'm trying to think. What I, I, I know a little bit. Noisette, but noisette, I think, is some other is a specific kind of nut. Lay, no
2: lay is milk. I don't, right. nu- I don't know what Sack. bag or nut I don't know what bag is. Le bag nut. Le, Le
0: noisette.
2: Le sac.
0: Le... But even that has sac in it. Yeah. Le sac de noisette. De sac
2: du lait. <laughs> Which sounds like a French swear. Sac <laughs> du lait. Ah, <laughs> oh, There's too much soy in this. Yes. It's going to take all night, Katie, yeah. order some vegan Chinese. <laughs> I, I haven't... Um, I, ha- I it's, To say that I know you is is... I mean, we've, we've been acquaintanced several times. We have. Um, uh, mainly through, through Ben, who I adore. Um, and, uh, and so we've never actually really hung out too long. So this is our chance to actually get to know each other. Yes. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. First of all, um, I fucking love Mr. Holland's opus. And <laughs> I you. cried on a plane watching that movie. I can't believe that movie came out in 95. That freaks me out. I can't
0: believe it either. I was just in Portland, which is where we filmed it, and people kept asking if I had spent much time in Portland, and the longest I spent was when I was making Mr. Holland's Opus, and I kept having to check myself every time I said 20 years ago. (laughs) 20 years ago! That's nuts!
2: I, I, I know that the ultimate message of the film was supposed to be like a warm... Well, first of all, Totally cried when he sang the song to his son. Totally cried on the plane when he sang "Beautiful Boy" yeah. to his son. That's a that was a that was one of those like where well, you're, you're kind of heads down, your <laughs> your fist is you know you you look like you're keeping your head down. Are mm-hmm. you embarrassed
3: to cry, Chris?
2: Yeah, I'm embarrassed to cry in a plane, Jonah. <laughs> not me. And then the uh, <laughs> <laughs> my dad would always cry in like movies or whatever, and it didn't even have to be like a sad movie. It was like he'd cry at King Kong, and yeah, yeah. And, and not even just like. Just like a,
3: ah, like, <laughs> hey, here we go! Yeah. <laughs> here, here come the waterworks!
2: <laughs> so, but then, but the ultimate message of the movie, which I totally understand, like he had this dream, but ultimately, sometimes dreams happen differently, and he affected way more people than if he had, you know, whatever, made his opus himself or was gone off with that high school student that he almost nailed, and mm-hmm. then. Um, but, uh, but the ultimate message was that I, I still took away from it, like, yeah, but he still didn't get to do his thing. He still didn't get to follow his dream because life kept getting in the way. Did you right. feel that way or did you like the message?
0: Well, I, I, my dad had been a teacher. He's retired now. He's been retired for a long time, but he taught science for 35 years. And so when I first read that script, that's what I thought of. And, and just how many people in the music business, in the acting business... All all over the world have started out with the dream to be a performer, and then they end up. They're disappointed at first, but then they realize their true calling was to help so many others. Mm-hmm. So, I think I did find it a little sad, for sure, at the end. Like I mean, a it's bittersweet. Bitters- yeah, it's bittersweet. I've, I can still remember at the end of the movie, Richard Dreyfus as Mr. Holland is tearing up because it's not just. Realizing how many people he's touched it's also realizing this is it this is the end of my life kind of (gasps) and I didn't I I didn't do what I set out to do but it's kind of okay, I guess. But
2: hey, they're all here in this assembly room singing that thing I kind of
0: finished.
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not
3: darn, <done>. Stop singing. <laughs>
2: he just points at Glenn Headley. You, <laughs> you did this to me. Yeah. He just becomes a total misogynist. <laughs> He's like deadbeat dad.
0: Yeah. Tracks that
2: girl down They never <laughs> hooked up with. Buys a leather jacket and a, <laughs> and a Harley.
0: That's Mr. Holland's
2: Roadhogs. After life, or something.
0: Roadhogs, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. or maybe it's called after Mr. Holland. After Mr. Ho- yeah. After Opus. After, Opus. which is a show
2: I would host. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For one thing, I would host the after part of it.
0: Life um, after Opus. <laughs> life after Opus. Yeah. They- <laughs> Mr. Holland's Revenge. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> he
2: systematically kills every character that kept him in that school. Yeah. You won't hear him coming. He becomes like a Freddy Krueger type. He haunts people in their dreams. <laughs> I think I really, really. That's one of those movies where <laughs> I almost, as a joke, want to start out. They're doing a sequel to Mr. <laughs> Holland's <Holmes? laughs>
1: Opus. How could they
3: possibly? Do- <laughs> you just want to start saying that, uh, like out and about. Yeah, like, they're making. I can't believe they're making a sequel to Mr. Holland's, and it's going to start getting Mr. Holland's around. second movement. that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> <it's> all-
0: <laughs> That's sort of like the nut milk side. Yeah. It Mr. <laughs>
3: <Holland's>
2: second movement.
0: <laughs> movement. <laughs> it's sponsored by. Milk of magnesium or something
2: <laughs> but he does but but ultimately yeah ultimately he does do he does do what he thinks is the right thing, which is, you know, I mean, look, I, I guess back in the days they you know, like had there been condoms in his life, then he wouldn't have had a child. he wouldn't have had to stay in school to raise the child. I mean, he does bear some of the responsibility. For what happened when you're listening to Opus Chat, where we (laughs) very deeply break down a movie that you may or may not have seen in the past 20 years. Uh,
3: uh, Next week, uh, Road to Wellville, a complete breakdown. Uh, Why their choices were wrong. I
2: don't know why. I'm so sorry I focused on that movie so much. But I guess that's ultimately the mark of a great film is that to this day I'll still be in bed at night and I'll be like... No, no, but you didn't, you know, I'll still think about it. After
0: <laughs> all, That's, That's a really big deal. I, um, and that does mean a lot. Um, I, had, I had such a good time on that movie. I actually, I learned how to play the clarinet for, I, I took lessons for like four weeks before I started shooting it. And they had a prop clarinet for me on the set, but because I was already really comfortable using the one I had learned on, we ended up using that one in the film itself. And when I went to work on this TNT show in Portland last week, the same props master from Mr. Holland's Opus was there, and he oh, said, "You know, I have your clarinet somewhere." Oh, and I wow. was like, "No, you don't. I have my clarinet. I I took it home with me." What's the one I've been They they gave, gave it to me. me.
2: Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. no! Why
0: would you say that? Because he well he has the he has the one that was intended for me oh, to use in the oh, movie. But, but
2: since you use the practice,
0: but one. since I used the play? practice one, no. No of course not. Just the piano. Oh, but just the piano. No. <laughs> still a not an easy
2: instrument to
3: play. No. I've always tried to tackle the piano, and I get only so far with it, and then I go, this is hard. Yeah, <laughs> I have one in my house, too, and I just say, I, I, I pull it I'm like, this is the time I'm going to teach my hands to do different things at different times, and then I just mess it up, and I close it, and then I go I back. Go, there we go. Uh, yep, that's it. Six months later. Do you play regularly?
0: I play the piano all the time. I'm a singer-songwriter as well. That I knew. So I play all the time, and when I don't have a piano in front of me, I'm recording voice notes, writing lyrics, all that stuff. I got back from my trip last night, and the first thing I did after I hugged my dogs was go to the piano for a few hours and just work out some things I'd been imagining for the last few weeks.
2: Did you write a song called Hugging on the Dogs? I didn't. Because that would be really cool if you did. <laughs> If you hugged the dogs and then went and wrote a song called Hugging on the Dogs. That would
0: would have been something. I don't know if it would have been cool. So, what? what, Let's just (laughs)
2: just talk about this for a second. What would Hugging On The Dogs be? Would it be sort of like a Mark Cohn kind of a Hugging On The Dogs?
0: I think so. Getting home at night.
3: I know. It seems like it could be kind try of try
0: a- not to get there, damn fur in my eyes. it's half
3: done. Yeah,
0: done. It's a- <laughs> that's half of the course, right there. I
2: love them, but they're, a, they're they're a chore. But it's a, it's a, it's a payoff <laughs> chore. Like it's worthwhile
0: because they're yeah. dogs. Yeah, this is good. This is a ha-
2: we're almost we're almost there.
0: It reminds me of this. I did. I was part of a songwriting circle for a while, and the circle ended up. Stopping, but it was fun. It was all these songwriters, some of whom are well known and others are not so well known. And every week you had to turn in a song. It was orchestrated by Bob Schneider, Mm -hmm. and he would turn in a word or a phrase to the songwriting circle every week. And you had to send a song to the group in any form. It could be a voice note, it could be on the back of the tour bus, strumming on a guitar. And some people turned in completely produced versions every week and made everyone else feel Jesus. very inadequate. Sure, if they're in a but, studio, uh, it's easier. Yeah, but if you didn't turn in a song, you were liable to get kicked off the group. <gasps> and oh, break well, the circle! Yep, that's of the that's music coven. The circle of trust.
3: <laughs> yeah. Not
0: Mel <laughs> <laughs> Mel
3: <It's> <laughs> See, we've written two songs
0: now. I know. This is becoming very... um, What are we going to do do with our
2: songwriting circle? (laughs) I don't
0: know. (laughs) What's next?
2: Uh, Do you live in L.A. or do you live back east?
0: I live in L.A. Okay. Yeah, I've actually lived out here more or less since I was 14. I'm originally from Worcester, Massachusetts. All right. And I did a movie when I was seven, which was kind of a weird coincidence thing. I ended up in David Lynch's Dune. Yes. Yes, Um, you
2: were in Dune. Yes. Nice. How was was it? Do you remember it?
0: I remember it so well. Yeah. I didn't know at the time that that's not what all movies are like, (laughs) but it was the biggest budget movie of all time in the early 80s. How could it fail? I know. Yeah. (laughs) And yet. Patrick
2: Stewart still looks the same. He
0: does. (laughs) Exactly the same. Kyle MacLachlan pretty much looks the same. Thing. He does.
3: <laughs> he kind of does too. Yeah, he really does. Sting
0: still kind of looks. He does. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Oh my God. The dune found oh. you.
3: Oh, You guys, the
2: spice is nice. I bet it's TM. <laughs> <laughs> it's the spice. It <laughs>
0: <laughs> took
1: the
0: spice.
2: That's fantastic. How
0: long did you work on that? Well, it was an eight and a half month shoot and I was there for God. three months, which for most movies, the entire movie is shot in well under three months. But it was all in Mexico City, and I had never set foot on a film set before. I I didn't know anything about acting, except that I enjoyed it. And I instantly knew I wanted to do that forever. I mean, it was so much fun. Just the elaborate costumes and the special effects and the stages were the most spectacular ones I've still ever seen. And all the actors were... It was, it was just an incredible cast of people that had been doing it for their whole lives. And they were so nice and down-to-earth. And it wasn't the kind of set where my parents would think, oh, that's a terrible thing for our daughter to do for a living. Everyone was just classy and uh, well-rounded. And so I think that was a good thing for me as well because when I started begging to move to L.A. when I was 12 my parents weren't as resistant to it.
3: Hmm. They <laughs> felt like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're almost fourteen now and Worcester, you're an adult. Get out. Yeah. Hit, hit. <laughs> I know. Oh, go ahead. Oh go ahead. no. Do you think that was like uh David Lynch had a hand in that and making like a nice comfortable set for everybody? Or do you think that was just um
0: I think that he did. Yeah. I worked with him twice after that and he he made every set feel like that. Yeah. For the actors. Yeah. That's even what it seems like. yeah. Even when there was stress, I know on that movie there was a lot of stress regarding the budget, and the producers didn't see eye to eye with him on his vision and all that stuff. But the actors were really kept out of that.
3: Oh, That's good. Yeah. yeah. That's really nice. That's I saw nice. him once. I, uh, I had a friend. I was walking down the street in Hollywood and I saw a, a woman like calling my name, and I, she looked like like she was a street worker. Of some sort, and then like, and like, she knew a my name. Yeah, she, it was really confusing, and then I realized it was like uh, this girl that I had seen around, like, uh, and like, I used to hang out with some mutual friends. And then like, I was like, "What are you doing? Why are you dressed like that?" She's like, "I'm in David Lynch's new movie. We're shooting it right now." And I was like, uh, "I was like, that's fucking oh, crazy." Shit, I was like, about to proposition you. Yeah, and then she's like, uh, "She's like, do you want to meet Dave?" And I was like, "As in David Lynch?" And she's like, "Yeah." And then we, she walks me over, and he's just sitting on a bench, smoking a cigarette, looking sharp. Dude, oh, looks, yeah, dude, looks fucking fun. looks great. And like um, he's like you know, he's like, Oh, this is my friend Joe. He's like, Oh, hello, nice to meet you. You know, just really chilling out. And then some guy's like, Mr. Lynch, you said you wanted this kind of green paint, but they only have this green paint. I could drive across town again. And he's like, Don't worry about it, green's green, don't worry about it. And the guy's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, relax. It's just movies. And I'm like, I'm like, I was like, Oh, Yo, well, you're a cool dude. I'm gonna see you later. That's nice. Yeah, it was really nice. It's my favorite that's my David Lynch story. I don't have one. My David Lynch story was listening to your David Lynch story. Yes, you should get his coffee. <laughs> I will. Yeah, he sells coffee. Oh, just yeah. By himself? Yeah, David Lynch coffee. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's so special about his coffee? I don't know. He roasted
2: himself, I think. I'd like to think that he's in a super snazzy suit, picking the beans, yeah, throwing them in there. like that. He's just one of those guys yeah. that does everything every step of the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, just,
3: he roasts beans and does Transcendental Meditation. A true yeah. renaissance man. Yes.
2: I mean, you have such an amazing career because you've done a million things. And justified, which is fucking phenomenal. Thank you. And um, if I could swear to emphasize how much I think it's a great show,
0: please do. Um,
2: and uh, <laughs> and T- Timothy Ol- Oliphant is really funny. He he was on our podcast a while ago, and we mm-hmm. didn't know we didn't know him before, so we didn't know what to make of him. And he just kind of looks like a guy. Like I think he hates my guts, but yeah. But then he's instantly charming and funny, and then you kind of realize like. Oh, no, he's just very comfortable with himself. Yeah. And very confident, but not in a dickhead way. Like, he's just, seems like a regular...
0: I like him so much. I think he's, he's really smart as well. He, it's sometimes when you have actors on the set who are, who have a lot of ideas, sometimes it's, you get the sense it's all because they want themselves to seem better. Mm-hmm. And I, as a rule, I mean, most actors would agree. You don't like getting direction from other actors. That's kind of a no, no, (laughs)
2: not on the set,
0: but with Tim, I would actually ask for his direction because he's so good at it. And he's, it's a big thing to say, but I honestly think he's always right when he thinks something isn't working. Um, I remember that finale scene that I had with, with rap. Um, we, we, we were doing the big part of it that he wasn't in. He comes in at the very end of it, right before I shoot Rappaport's nuts off. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and I had a question. I, I wanted... I could tell that Tim had a thought, and I, I asked him for his feedback on it, and he was, he was very right. Um, I loved working with him. Sometimes I'd get to the set, and we'd be about to do a scene, and he would just run down the scene and he would just identify what part of it needed to be tightened up or changed or what lines weren't quite working. Yeah. And, and he's just so good. He's so, so present.
2: But your life is a tapestry of creative energy. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, between acting and, and, and it's kind of, you know, sometimes you meet someone you go, and they go, well, I mean, I'm an actor, I'm a singer-songwriter. You're like, oh, okay, okay. But you actually do do those. I mean, like you legitimately do all of those things. do you, do are you, yeah. are you artsy at all? Do you draw or paint or anything as well? No,
0: no. I don't do that. I don't do that. <laughs> I write, though. I write, I write I've, I, I've written a screenplay, and I wrote and directed a short film a few years back. Do you want to do more? So, yeah, I do. I definitely want to do some more directing. And I am trying to get my screenplay set up, but that's that's something I want to do a lot more of, writing. That's,
2: and and so, do you notice since you have these three parallel, different but related um, creative processes—you mm-hmm. know, acting and, and singing, songwriting, uh, and then and writing. Um, do do you, is your process the same for each one of those things or do you see consistencies in how you tackle a story versus how you tackle a song or is it, are they so different to you that they each kind of have their own proprietary setup?
0: The thing that's the least similar from all of those is the acting because I'm playing a character. Right. So, and also because I've been doing that consistently for so much longer than the others that, it feels very, very safe to me. I don't really get nervous if I'm on a set and I, I feel like you can reveal so much about yourself, but under the safety net of, Oh, it's not really me. It's this character. So no matter what accent you're doing or how you're dressed or what the character's physical mannerisms are, it's still your soul in there. So if you're experiencing any sort of emotion as the character, it's, Incredibly cathartic, but also safe because it's not really you. Sure. But when you're up on stage, like I'm about to do a residency at Hotel Cafe. Nice, oh nice. Um, the month of August on Sunday nights, and um, we'll go to that. Please come. I've been there in years. Every show is going to be different too. Oh I'm nice. Not gonna, it's not going to be the same songs every night. <laughs> um, but you know that scares me a little bit. It thrills me, and I'm I can't wait because I've played there a number of times, and I love it. Yeah. But that is much more vulnerable since it's my songs and my voice. And it's up to me to deliver the goods in that moment. And I can't say, well, I didn't write it or I didn't direct it. Sure.
2: I always (laughs) do love that part of it though. I actually don't like playing characters because I like having the responsibility. Mm -hmm. Even, even when it doesn't work, I I, I just like knowing I, I don't like fucking something up. And then being able to blame someone else because I feel like, oh, I don't know if I would have done it that way if it was mine. And I feel like I get, you know, like I just, I like, I really like that part of it. Because I learned it's yeah. like, you know, with stand up. But, um,
0: Stand-up is something I don't think I could ever do. I have so much respect for you for doing that.
1: No.
2: I, I, I don't. I, but see, I say the same thing about... He's like, not a is, freedom
3: fighter. You don't have, to have that much respect.
2: I'm just saying that my jokes save lives. and I don't, Maybe that's an overstatement of what I do, but a lot of people are alive today because of my jokes. and I, I feel fine admitting that to people. <laughs> you're so brave. That's, yeah. 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 <laughs> that, that's a, the, you're so brave. As, I don't know if... Is there a parallel phrase for when people come see your shows? I don't It might be different than musicians. When a comic – there's an inside joke with comics that if you have a show that's not that great and you have friends who come to see you, (laughs) when you get off stage, they feel like they have to say something. And so instead of saying that was really funny, they go – I could never do. I could never. I mean, do.
3: Oh, so yeah. brave. There's a few of them. There's that one. There's. Uh, I thought it was funny. <laughs> I don't know what was wrong with these people. Yeah, yeah. They didn't seem to really. So there probably I wasn't. There probably is there a barrel? There probably isn't a peril. I'm trying
0: to think really fast. I'm sure there mm. is.
2: Have you ever had a show that you felt like you bombed as yeah. a musician, or do you do you feel like you always have been able to kind of save
0: it? I have had shows. I mean, when I first started, I I remember. Well, my very first show, I opened for Jimmy Webb, mm-hmm. the legendary Jimmy Webb, who's one of the finest songwriters, I think, ever. And that was a great show. And I, I only played three or four songs with my band. It was in New York. And that was like a dream. I, and people were telling me afterwards that, that I was good. And I had no idea if they were going to like it or if I was any good at all. And then about a month later, I worked up my nerve to play my first full-length show at The Bitter End in New York, and I invited everyone I knew.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And a few songs into it, I realized I was really green I and I still there's still a few people in my life who were at that show who haven't been to all my <laughs> my other shows <laughs> and I've actually said to them a few times you know I'm a lot better than I
3: was. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this oh, no, was under- 7 years ago. Oh yeah. I mean I was nervous. I remember I I got out of breath a few times and I couldn't quite hit the notes and I I didn't mess up like forget the words or forget the notes or anything but it just I was I wanted to stop and say, okay, you know what, you guys, I love you for being here, but I'm going to be so good at this in about a year. <laughs> I've wanted to do this my whole life, and I'm just not ready yet. Yeah,
3: a good thing, <laughs> Something you, you, uh, when I was in bands, if we had a shitty set, it would be, um, it's a. It looked like you guys were having fun up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, yeah making much noise I think then.
0: you're right about that. Do it for yeah, you, yeah. you
3: know. Just yeah, do yeah, it yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Don't care. Don't give a shit what anyone mm-hmm. thinks. Yeah. You just do it for you. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but it's uh, that it's nice to be able to. You don't realize at the time what kind of gifts those moments are because there is a there's a curve. You can play the shit out of something by yourself, but there is a curve when you get in front of. I was in, I did a, I did a musical comedy thing for a little while, and there's it to me. I always felt like no matter how much I could nail it at home, when you get in front of
3: people and you're on a stage and everything, <laughs> it's like
2: oh now there's this learning curve too. Yeah, to get to know
0: the song. Yeah
3: yeah there was a there was a you know when um when the strokes uh, broke big um they they weren't like a touring band they didn't like they didn't go on the road all the time they just worked on their songs like every day in a studio and then made a demo and then played a couple shows around new york and then they got signed and became a huge band but if like you saw any of those early big stroke shows where they were like this headlining act and you know this is it was a huge album it's like they were a really bad live band because they did, they're like they didn't know how to do big shows or Had it like you know there was all because they didn't have they didn't build up to that point they just went from like playing like you know a bar to being like a huge band and there is like even a learning curve with the size (sighs) of venues and how you have to be able to bring it now they're better at it but it's been ten years you know it's 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 interesting that it's like uh, it's like you know you can be like oh playing guitar feels different did you did you see um, did you ever see the 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 special with Jay Z and Charlie Rose
0: no it's
2: fucking great it's so good they did it in. I feel like they did it in D.C. somewhere, like, live. I can't remember where. They, was it Kennedy Center? I don't know. It was somewhere. And um, <clears throat> Jay-Z was talking about how the, 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 like this this association with the hip-hop and, like, rappers, like, grabbing their dicks on stage, just, like, always just kind of tugging. And, <laughs> and he basically, his theory on it was that a lot of these guys learn, like, learn how to rhyme. They just sort of learned, you know, like, in, in very intimate settings. And then... All of a sudden, they perform in front of all like just t- ten thousand people, and they get really self-conscious, and they just they just kind of start trying to protect it, like, like, like this sort of like weird biology survival thing. They just start like yeah. trying to protect themselves, but yeah. it's just kind of you know. And that,
1: that was that's that's, right, their, yeah. that's their
2: body language.
0: That makes sense, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. If I had a pair of balls, I could imagine.
3: I would, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd probably be doing that. They're a blast. It's uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like making almond milk.
1: <laughs>
2: oh no, you just brought nut milk bags then. Mm-hmm. Oh. Listen, all I'm saying is if you wanna if you want to make hugging on your dogs a nut milk bag for the hotel cafe residency, I'm saying that's okay.
0: I could actually take a couple of my used nut milk bags, stick them under my, <laughs> if I wear jeans that night, I could just stick them in the jeans. And then <laughs> when, I, when I stand up to do a song away from the piano, I'll just tug on my nut milk bags. Yeah. And people will think they've just discovered uh, an anatomical fact bag. about me they didn't know. Tugging on
2: your, on your dogs, tugging on your bags. You just make it like a, like a jaunty, tugging <laughs> on your dogs. like nineteen thirties. What's your favorite era of music? What do you, what do you like to listen to?
0: Oh, it's really all over the place. But what I grew up listening to was the big band era, Mm -hmm. all the classics like the Nat King Cole and Ella Fitzgerald and Frank Sinatra. Yeah. I loved that music so much when I was growing up that I didn't really listen to what was on the radio. So I have this weird musical gap that people our age, the songs that we would have grown up listening to, I don't really know those songs. I mean, I I know them a little bit, but if I hear those artists, I don't necessarily know who they are.
2: That's cool. You um, you might have missed the Jay Giles band. Then. I did. <laughs> missed it. <laughs> there's it. just a there's just a there's a Jay Giles shaped gap in your in your music <laughs> memory.
0: But if you play any like the beginning of any Nat King Cole song or most of those big band songs, I can sing all the words still because it's like I grew up in that era. That's how much I listened to it.
2: Oh, that's great. Yeah, I did my my. I spent a lot of time with my grandfather um we visited my grandfather a lot when I was younger and he loved all that stuff and 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 Johnny Mathis and yeah. you know just the just that real like buttery kind yeah. of like those vocals you know mm-hmm. but it's still um do you listen to stuff on vinyl or do you do you like do you like compressed CD stuff, or do, are you an audiophile in that way, or does it not matter? to you? I'm
0: not. I I need to increase my vinyl collection. I have only about twenty records right now.
2: I have like two, and Jonah gave me both of them, <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and they're like musical comedy. Yeah, yeah. And not even. It's like Tom Lehrer, and yeah. And, uh, I see stuff. It's I, you know I, I go record shopping so much that like it's starting to. Uh, it's starting to be like if I don't find stuff for myself I can kind of go oh my friend wants this record oh that's this guy fun. is always looking for weird you know smash and pumpkin singles like, yeah there's always that kind of fun thing with record shopping that you can do that's all keep an that eye out for fun. you That is fun I yeah. enjoy
0: that yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. Fun. so going,
3: so going back a little bit
2: do, what what is your what is your approach to songwriting versus script writing and what do, what do you how do you see them you know when you sit down do you have to get hit with an idea or do you sit down and force yourself to just crank something out?
0: I do it both ways. With the songwriting, ideas come to me all the time, and sometimes it's just a line um, or a phrase or a verse that will come to me, and I'll just write that down. Other times, the melody all comes together, and I kind of know what that should be. Um, Rarely, the melody comes without words, but it's usually not that way. And then I also enjoy sitting down with other writers for a session. And when you do that, you're literally just sitting there and you've got two or three hours and you're you're making a song happen during that time. So that's a great discipline.
2: It's the best way to do it, I think, because yeah. you can't second guess anything. You're just like, well, this is the time we have and we have to do it, so it's mm-hmm. going to be whatever it's going to be.
0: Yeah. yeah. And you have someone else or uh, sometimes several people to bounce it off of. So if one thing that I do sometimes is I'll come up with a couple of different lines at once. And I, sometimes it takes me a while to figure out which line I like better, but if there's somebody else there and they have a gut reaction to one or the other, I'll just ax the other and go with the one that they like. And then we, we move on. And it's, it's a really fun way to work. When I write by myself, it doesn't tend to be all that fast or that immediate, but sometimes it is. Um, sometimes it all just kind of pours out and and then a song that i wrote recently was off of some lyrics that i'd forgotten about and found again and they hadn't presented a song to me at the time and this time when i read them yeah, a whole idea came along with it it's
2: good to save that shit because yeah. sometimes yeah. sometimes your brain just isn't ready for an idea and it just you just your life just kinda needs to percolate around it for a mm-hmm. while and then all of a sudden it just activates and you and it's almost and, and sometimes in those moments <clears throat> you almost feel like you're psychic
3: with yourself, like, oh
2: my I'm sending a message to myself from the past, and I didn't know why <laughs> yeah. this was important back then, but now it's, it just all yeah. fits into place. Well,
3: some people say it's like you know, your brain's always working on stuff. It's like this thing you're thinking about at the time doesn't necessarily mean, necessarily mean there's another part of your brain still working on that thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you go, oh, that's the name of that person, or like you know, when you think about it, because another part of your brain's been working on it, and it just you know, it finally figured it out, and then it moved it up to the front. What do you do when you hit the, uh, the writing wall where you just can't, where you're like, I have nothing else, brain.
0: Sometimes I force myself to finish, and other times I just give it a, a break for the night. Um, you've, you've probably heard it said sometimes, and I think it's true, that um, sometimes you hit that wall right before you're about to stumble into something you would never have stumbled into if you got up and walked away, so... I just try to go with my instinct in those moments and try and figure out, okay, am I just exhausted and do I need to go to bed right now or do I need to keep going because otherwise I'm going to regret it? So I, hopefully I, I make the right call most of the time. Do you know. write
2: when you're emotional or do you like to be sort of calm? Like if you get really sad, you're like, I got to write or do you, can you not do that?
0: I can do that. I can do that. I actually find it... It's a great thing to be able to do, and it stops you sometimes from uh from avoiding whatever it is you're feeling. It doesn't always mean it's going to be a good song. <laughs> you know it sometimes it is, but sometimes it's just good to write so often that you don't have to sit down and force it. You can just almost freeform lyrics and they'll come out. And it's surprising how often they rhyme or they they go together in some sort of a poetic form Even when you're not thinking about it if you do it often enough. Yeah, that was my thing. That's why it took me relatively so long in my life to start making music of my own on a regular basis because I started doing it when I was a teenager and I just didn't really like what I would write and I would get discouraged and Write a few songs, and they would be great labors, and I just feel like ah, that's not quite what I intended to say. It's not good enough, (laughs) and and then it was actually after a breakup. I had been in a five and a half year relationship, and the day that he moved out, I wrote mostly all the lyrics to my song Blind which I didn't have a melody for yet. I just wrote these lyrics. And then I ended up moving to New York for work later that year and met a guitar player who ended up writing the music for it. Oh, that's really and, cool. Um, and it's still one of my favorite songs. It's, it's, And it's just from that moment on, really, that night, I was writing on a continual basis. Um, many songs that I'll never play live or record, but they're... <laughs> You just keep doing it and then the consistency gets better.
3: Well, that guy really
2: got in your way, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think it'd be fun one night if you were willing to do it. I don't know if you'd be willing to to do this for a whole night, but maybe I'm just going to make suggestions. And you can tell me that they're dumb. Okay. If you don't like them. And it's none of my business. (laughs) I think it would be kind of fun if... Uh, if one song during your residency each night was like a song you wrote when you were a teenager. And if everyone knew that, if everyone knew that, you could sort of like have fun with it. Like even if you think it's terrible, you know, like you could do like, you know, because what's great about that is that it comes automatically with a story. I wrote the song when I was 15 because this happened and it becomes like teenage storytellers. And then you can either choose to update the song and make it good or just leave like just like leave it in its raw form and kind of laugh along with it a- as you're doing it just as a suggestion if you have those songs it could be kind of fun it's a really cool idea
0: actually it's a really cool idea
2: and then maybe you'll discover something <laughs> you know in the in the process or something new or you know like or it'll trigger something but it could be because it, essentially mm-hmm. it's a it's basically a, a time machine it's just like a musical diary of you know that could be a whole set of, you know, like one story that you get to tell each week in the set. Just something just as a suggestion that could be fun.
0: That's a really good idea. I'm so glad you're <laughs> And I've already thought, as you've been talking, I've thought of three songs that I've never played live that are, are half decent, you know? Yeah, because you get the especially pass. Especially in that context. You get the
2: pass with people if they know that's what it is. Like, I did this when I was young, and here's – so yeah. you don't, you know yeah. – You know, whatever you think might be cringy, they're going to think is super charming because you were a kid.
0: That's not a bad idea. (laughs) I like it. Yes. I really like it a lot. I'm
3: thrilled to hear this. How much percentage are you looking for this idea? Just like twenty-five. Yeah, okay. So okay. Well, I'll, 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 I think just like half the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Half the door. Okay. The bar, right? That The bar. Half the door. The bar. I'll take ten percent of the bar. Okay. That's that's very noble
2: of oh, you. You're no, so brave. That's how, listen, I want to. You know, that's what how hotel cafe survives. We want to make sure they survive, but they don't need <laughs> mm-hmm. that much. Um, I, I love that venue. That's a really that's a really cool venue. Yeah,
0: I love it too. Uh,
2: have you played there recently?
0: No, I haven't played there recently. Um. The last year or so, I've played at the Viper Room in L.A. Last year, I think I did two shows there. And this year, I've been kind of all over the place, so it's been harder to book. But um, I can't say yet what it is. I wish I could, but I'm, I'm going to be doing something in L.A., which... Any day now, they should announce, but I, I'm not allowed to say we it. know until it's the announced. Hollywood Bowl. It's oh. all right. <laughs> Star Wars but. episode. <laughs> but I'm doing something that's going to keep me in LA for July and August, hmm. which is nice to know in advance because that allows me to do a residency like that.
2: You're very good at disguising because you did not. None of your words let on if it was a movie thing, or a TV thing, or a stage thing, or another live performance. <laughs> There's no, I have no yeah. reference points. You you've cool. managed to you've managed to disguise it, but it is. If it's some kind of regular, oh man, who knows what that
3: could be? It's two months. So
2: it's two months, so it's two gotta months. be a movie. Could be a movie, but two months could also be like a, a short run on a, on a series. Ooh, an arc. Oh, I would have to see your contract to see if you were exclusive in uh, your other shows. To yeah. God, I don't know. All right, yeah. I'm piecing this together because we're.
3: But it's not anything musical because you're getting the opportunity to do a musical thing. So therefore, but a musical
2: thing Sunday nights. So if she were doing like a stage thing that just had a short run, she could do it the other days and then do a matinee on Sunday and then go to the hotel cafe Sunday night. I got it. What is it? You got a job at the ArcLight. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Alicia
3: Witt. Turn I will off your I'll cell say, say that
0: Chris was very, uh, very warm. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, that's amazing.
2: <laughs> All right. So this is exciting news. This is very exciting news. Is there anything creatively that you still feel like... Is there a box that you still... I mean, obviously, within each of those lanes, I'm sure there are types of movies you want, types of songs you want to do, types of scripts you want to explore, but is there a separate creative box that you feel like you still haven't checked yet that you someday, like, oh, I want to learn banjo or something?
0: I want to learn guitar. I have a guitar at home. I, I just... Whenever I try to make myself sit down and work on it, I'll end up getting an idea for a song and then I end up going to the piano and writing it. I need to just focus. I think I need a teacher. I need somebody to give me a lesson every week yep. that I can practice because I've tried to do it kind of self-taught. I've downloaded apps and that sort of thing. And
2: You really need a person there, like a person just going, no, this is this. It, and I guess like piano, it's probably so much about the scales and music theory. And once you kind of understand that, I'm guessing.
0: Well, also because I already know the music theory and I can feel my way around until I get the right note on the guitar, it's really just about buckling down and learning how to play it. And I think if I had a teacher to impress every week with what I had learned, that would give me the incentive to practice. But if it's just an app or just whenever I find time for it, that's not really working.
2: Do you need structure in your life to guide you? Or are you pretty good at forcing yourself to do things.
0: I'm pretty good at, at forcing myself to do things, but the thing about, I guess if, if I only had the one instrument, it's something about when I sit down to practice the guitar, I end up going to the piano instead because I want to make something (laughs) that makes sense. Right. Or what I end up doing is I just, I'll have so much fun strumming the guitar and playing these weird chords that I don't know what they are but I love them. I just want to make something. It's it's been so long since I had to practice scales and Yeah, the learning go back part to gets basics. totally
2: gets in the way especially <laughs> if you're like I could just do this over there. I know. Yeah.
3: And I wouldn't have to fumble my way through it. Yeah, but guitar is something like, you know, yeah, with a piano you have to be sitting down at it. With a guitar you could be watching TV and just sitting on a couch and just kind of You know, going through it and getting that, that still will help your fingers get into the, you know, motion and the like the muscle memory of like learning guitar. So there's, you know, you can, there's different, two different times you could do it.
0: I should do that. Or I should just do the egg timer trick that I've read some people do where you just set the, or set the iPhone for 20 minutes every single day. Just sit there and practice. Do your
2: scales. Ding, I, feel like I, I pick up the guitar. That's all it is, right? Ding, 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 Feel like I pick up the guitar every so often, and I can do all the chords and hand. But it's still, it's still the theory parts that I know. Like once you unlock the theory, you've essentially opened up the language like that you communicate this and it's just easy it's easier because you go oh of course well this is this scale so this would probably be an a and this would probably be an e and this would probably be this because that's what this is yeah as opposed to having to memorize like you know with no structure just like oh okay so then this one's here and then i jump up to here you know which is a fucking you're just counting you know yep yeah i don't like it any other instruments you want to learn how to play harp (laughs) <laughs> no trumpet, trombone.
3: He said that was like disdain.
2: Harp. 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 <laughs> it is a nice <laughs> instrument. Yeah. I always feel bad for harpists though, because that is a that is a what a thing. It's like that's like having a pet elephant. <laughs> it's like, yeah.
3: Where do you put that? Everywhere you go, you, got you a, have to
0: put that. Put it in its big case, and I think it has a, a wheelie thing. Yeah, on yeah. It yeah. And...
3: It's a real tall thing that you yeah. just kind of. It's like a hand carp. Beautiful instrument
2: though. Yeah. It yeah. is beautiful. I always like the viola too viola Mm, viola viola sounds like a person viola i like the viola too i just like that kind of bassy string instrument
0: i love string instruments and cellos i love when i have cellists play with me it's such a beautiful sound with the piano
2: are you playing with a band at
0: hotel cafe i am playing with a band but i'm going to be just with a drummer and bass player who alternates between bass and guitar oh cool mostly bass but we'll do a few guitar tunes as well
2: oh that's nice and are, do you is it do you write with these people or are they just sort of like they're they're there to just sort of play what you tell them to play?
0: They're um they, they aren't people that I've written with, but they're really awesome. The drummer is somebody that I've played with for years. Whenever he's available, Kamiar, he's great. And um and then the bass player, Kyle, is just a genius. He moved out here from He's from Massachusetts as well, oddly, but he moved out about five years ago and I'm just grateful that they're both available for the residency Yeah, because you never know with these guys. But yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun.
2: What do you do when you're on, like if you're on location and you're on set for months, Mm -hmm. do you have to, do you find like a rehearsal space in town wherever you are to play or how do you, how do you scratch that?
0: I usually have... If I'm gone for a long period of time, I'll make sure there's a keyboard in my room. Mm
3: -hmm. Casio keyboard? Yeah, something like that. Old drum pad. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah, just something that I can play a little bit. Or sometimes what I've done is I'll, I'll find a restaurant in the neighborhood that has a piano and make friends with them and ask if I can just come in during the day while they're doing business work and
2: oh that's cool play the piano like David Helfgott and shine
0: oh yeah. oh yeah that's right
2: I like that movie I haven't seen it in so long I haven't either you 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 saw I have of seen it he, but yeah. not in a
0: long time when he
2: fucking goes in there and they make fun of him because he's weird and then he busts out flight of the bumblebee <laughs> and everyone <laughs> shits their pants in the restaurant literally they didn't show up but I know that was a subtext Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. What happened with David Helfgott? Did he actually he actually toured, right? But he, then after the movie, but then it just sort of I, the feeling that I got was like, oh, he was maybe he wasn't. Was weird. It, maybe he just wasn't this, at the same level as he was necessarily presented in the oh. movie, or he wasn't wasn't practiced. I, I don't know, but I thought there was like a mini tour that followed that movie, and then it it didn't really. That
0: sounds familiar to me. I'm not sure. Yeah, I
2: don't know. I, don't I, I never
3: heard that. Mm. All right. But but only there's no way to later. find out. Yeah. yeah no this I mean, just
0: with my little experience, I used to compete as a classical pianist when <sighs> I was a kid. Oh. So I know a little bit about all that. What and, is that um,
2: competition like?
0: It's so nerve wracking. That's the most nerve wracking of all. You have nervous parents, teachers who are just biting their fingernails, putting all their hopes for the entire year's work on you because if you win, it makes. It makes them look good and more business. They're, they're competing with the other teachers. And yeah, it's, I've, I had a really good experience in that way. I had a really loving teacher and my parents were just happy that I was there because I, I really enjoyed it, but it's, it's a lot of stress and you bring your sheet music into the judges and they sit there with the sheet music and they, <sighs> they watch it to make sure you're hitting every note, right? And um, I knew by the time I was about 13 or 14, I didn't want to do that competitively. (laughs) That wasn't where my life was. You would go crazy.
2: Maybe like uh, someone like David Helfgott of being forced to put under that amount of pressure and then compete
0: in that way. Also, it's
3: music. Like, don't let music compete. Thank you. you. That's
0: exactly what frustrated me about it. Because it got to the point where it was like... I started wanting to express myself and make it my own a little bit, not by changing notes or anything, but just if I felt like getting a little louder in this section or slowing down ever so slightly here or there, I would. And some of my favorite successful classical pianists do that. Yeah. And I started getting notes from the judges that would say, well, it didn't say crescendo and you got louder there, that sort of thing. So that's, I didn't like that. Well, no like I'm bad. getting louder but now. Yeah.
2: Fuck you.
0: That's right. Yeah. Or you just
2: want to add little like, <laughs> da na
3: <laughs> <laughs> <should you>? oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you do uh, talent shows uh, when you were in high school? With no,
0: I didn't go to high school though. I was
3: homeschooled.
0: Oh,
2: How did that – how do you think that affect your ability to interface with other humans, not having been inside the (laughs) typical social structure of the high school system?
0: Well, I can say for me, it made me even more eager to move to L.A. Because (laughs) one of the things I loved so much about my first movie experience was that coming from a life where I didn't go to school, I didn't have that social atmosphere, being on a film set is like – the most incredible social experience you'll ever have.
3: It's mostly hanging out.
0: It really is. It's
3: mostly just shooting the shit with So I
0: thought, this is awesome. I have all these friends instantly. And I really couldn't wait to have more of that and just be out in the world and exploring all the different relationships you make in this business. I think it's the best part.
2: That's really cool. Now, did, did your dad teach you or did your mom teach you?
0: They both did. My dad went to school to teach during the day, and my mom stayed at home, and then yeah. my dad would help me. Yeah. You
2: and you didn't, even, oh,
0: wow.
3: This is a lot of our no. thoughts on the school system, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah. I don't know. My class it was is unusual.
3: fine with the rest of these <laughs> <laughs> You're staying home. Yeah. My kid, in this place, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. See the food they eat?
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I personally, uh, do you have kids? No. If you ever have kids, would you homeschool them or would you be would you send them to school?
0: I think I would send them to school.
2: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Because you, it'd be very difficult for you to homeschool while you're acting in films and writing music and writing screenplays.
0: It would be, and I think that there are some terrific public schools. There's also some really bad ones, and that it sucks. It's so important that kids have good education. Um, but I think if you can afford it, obviously there's great private schools. And if you can't, there's some really good, um, public schools, especially here in Southern California. I don't know if school is
2: that important as long as you can just get on TV and get famous, right? That's really the important <laughs> thing. Just famous, just famous, Just famous. So do something <laughs> crazy. I know. Well, there was a, um, I was over at my mom's the other night. I think I was watching some entertainment show and there was a, a reality show with like four sisters and the whole thing was that they had like 12 weeks to get famous it's the fucking worst oh, it's a reality Christ. show about getting famous oh that's awful which is just,
3: that's like that's when that's when the laser just turns on itself yeah that's like that when you see someone going on a talk show uh, to promote their lives which is has been captured in a reality show, but then you also can later in that season see the episode of when they went on the talk show to promote yeah. their reality show, which is a show about their lives. Mm-hmm. Which and then like the snake starts eating itself. It's just <laughs> it's so you know, like I had a meltdown one day when I was, someone was like, "We had a lot of crazy things happen this last season," and I was like, "You mean the last few months of your life?" Is that what you mean? Like well, they the don't call them they don't
2: call them reality shows, and in the, in the, now they've they've switched the term to docu series because somehow that. Supposed to take the, it's supposed to make it sound fancier than it yeah. actually is. Ugh.
0: Is that what it is for Emmy contention now, docu-series?
2: Uh, I don't know for Emmys, but they do. But docu-series is now, like, in the, in, in, in the television industry, they, they refer to them as, you know, because they don't want to say... Uh, Moneymakers. They don't want to say a reality <laughs> show. So they say docu-series. So the docu-series about four uh, young girls who are doing essentially whatever they can to be famous. What are they doing? Ugh. I don't know. Just taking a lot of half nude pictures from what I saw in the um, and nude pictures from what Selfies I saw. Selfies are key in fame. <laughs> it's so nuts. It's so nuts the obsession with with the the obsession with fame, but it's but everyone's essentially, I mean like the internet's completely like everyone's technically famous now, so it's I yeah. don't know, it's kind yeah. of a strange it's kind of a strange thing. Does that part ever because people obviously recognize you. Does that ever get in the way for you? Or are you like, eh, I just like the performing part. That part of the part's weird.
0: I honestly, I love the performing part. I could do without the other part of it. But I also, I've never been that kind of person who's stumbling out of the nightclub at two in the morning. <laughs> like I've never had any sort of paparazzi chasing me to, get some sort of embarrassing moment because there's not much I'm not very interesting <laughs> well I think
2: um. uh, I think a lot I think a lot with the paparazzi thing is that um, though a lot of the people, I know I mean, a lot of people don't want it but I think there are a handful of people who kind of seed it mm-hmm. so they can get in magazines absolutely and then, well, of course they're. it's
3: like you know every time they're like it's like don't go to that restaurant you know they'll yes. you know they'll be there don't, yes. but, but, don't but, live but, in that but, side but, of town but a
2: lot of people yeah. have publicists will tip off the paparazzi and go oh this mm-hmm. person's going shopping at the What's that fucking Kitson, You know, Kitson yeah. Or yeah it is, like, but there's yeah. stores
3: and restaurants everywhere. And mm-hmm. like I, I eat at a fancy place downtown. There's no fucking paparazzi outside of Bottega Louie. No. And if you are, I'll be eating there well, this the, Sunday.
0: The surest no sign, the surest tip off, is when you see all these paparazzi waiting outside a place. And you're walking down the street, and then the car pulls up, and whoever it is gets out of the car. Yeah. No I, pictures, I mean, please. But uh, uh, this is yeah. my good side. It's, <laughs> so yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I don't know. I I think. I think that I I would only want that recognition part just because it will. I know that it facilitates me to do more of what I love. Exactly. And I know that if somebody has seen me in something uh, and they're inclined to check out my music, then that's going to help maybe have them listen to it. Yeah. I can't make them like it, but right. I mean, it's a good way to open the door. Yes. And... It's it just all helps itself. I don't see any point in saying, "Well, I want to be, I want to be blessed enough to get to do this crazy thing and make a living at it for the rest of my life." But I also don't want anyone to take my picture or right. sign autographs. You're so lucky to have anybody wanting that if they do.
2: Yeah, it really is. It really does. A certain amount of it does sort of fuel the engine. To continue to do to do more because um, that's just how that's just how it works yeah that's just how unfortunately you know fortunately unfortunately that's just kind of how it works like you know you'll y- y- especially if you're if you're vying for something uh, i mean I used to I used to lose jobs all the time to people who were more known, and that didn't mean <laughs> they were going to do a better job. It no. just meant that the marketing team had a bigger name to yeah. you know say to the press like so and so is doing this, and in those days, it was usually Joe Rogan or Mario Lopez. Yeah. Uh, did I ever tell you about the thing? Who's laughing now,
3: Lopez? <laughs>
2: I don't know. He seems to be a totally nice guy. I don't know. Why nice
3: did guy. I tell you about the time I was, uh, you know, I was working in the E building, and I was walking by a, a, a meeting with. There was an office. A meeting was going on. The door was open, and it's, it's like uh, someone's like, "I know he's a better host, but the other guy has more Twitter followers. That's why he's better for the job. Ugh. That's like the like I, I just heard that chunk. Ugh. Of conversation and I was like, oh cool, this is great.
0: <laughs> Do you, you know people can buy Twitter followers? Now? Yes, yes. Of our friend
3: Joe Mandy did it. Uh really? like kind of just as an experiment, and you just you just pay a company and then they get you yeah. and it's mostly bots and <laughs> fake things. Yeah, but-
0: and if you look at like you have a friend and suddenly they went from having a thousand followers to seventy two thousand followers and you go down the list of followers, they were all people that have no followers yep. and it's just a <clears throat> little egg images. So they're, and- they're completely yeah, yeah.
2: useless followers because they don't have yeah. any reach. So it doesn't really like a bot follower is basically just so he can say to a company, I have 72,000 yeah, followers yeah. and they exactly. go, wow, he's really
3: important. Yeah, but he, was they, very, he was very vocal. About if it, they it.
2: dig even an inch deep, you know, they'd be like, these are worthless. Yeah. <laughs> There's even websites
0: that you can go to where you can check out how many of a person's followers are real.
3: Oh, yeah. really? And yeah. I
0: read that, um, I think when Mitt Romney was running, they looked into his campaign, Whoa. and he had like a quarter of his <laughs> million followers were actually bots.
2: Jeez, <laughs> yeah. or, or people who sign onto Twitter once and never go on again, or yeah, yeah, yeah. or you know, or, or whatever. But it's not, you know, that that main number is really not the actual, you know.
0: It should be about the engagement, right? It's engagement, yeah. yeah. And, a, and like, a
2: lot of companies are picking up on that now too. Engagement. It's not just video views, but how long did people watch the video? Right. You know, yeah. how many people did they spread that to? You know, you would you would really rather have ten thousand followers who all had ten thousand followers rather than a hundred thousand followers where everyone had like ten. Exactly. Because yeah. you just it, it's like that's how it filters through the. Guys, we're going to be famous in 12 weeks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, you know, it, it, this this age of you know, like artist marketers. It's, are you it's, are you social media?
0: Yes. I you to have to be, media. right? You yeah. have to
2: be to because if you're doing shows at Hotel Cafe, you have to let No one does that for you.
0: No. That's when I started up with the social media was when I started playing shows. Yeah. And it's
3: easiest way to do it.
0: It's and it's cool, too. I also did a Kickstarter campaign a few years ago for my last album, um, which was released uh, in 2012. And that was really neat because I got to know so many of the people who were actually making my album happen. And that's an incredible thing when somebody wants to hear your music so much that they're actually willing to put their hard earned money towards it ahead of time.
2: Well the cool part about that is then it it totally makes you accountable. Then you really have to that's kind of putting a friendly gun to your head and saying, like, Mm -hmm. well these people, you know, I can't now I can't let these people down.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I I think
2: even the psychological aspect of something like Kickstarter is really good. It you know, It'd be interesting if there was something that w- and I'm sure there is because, because there's always every idea. But it'd be interesting if there was some type of a Kickstarter that wasn't about money, but it was just all about accountability, where you had to go on and basically pledge to people in that in a certain amount of time you were going to do something. You know, even just the idea that you had to publicly say to them, I'm going to do this. Not everyone would do it, but a percentage of people would feel a social responsibility to, you know, not let everyone down. That's true. Yeah. Hmm. don't you ever feel you you write better when you have
3: a show or when you have people yeah, when you expecting. get a deadline you do you mm-hmm. do more yeah yeah it's uh it's it's a weird that's a weird thing to think about but what would the accountability be well i think the accountability Shame. is just social
2: pressure it's just like you are you if you were in this system you are committing to people that you would do this and if you don't then it's basically just like it's a little bit of a failure you know like and, yeah. and no one wants to feel like they let X amount of people down publicly, you know, and especially yeah. if you, you know, if you had like a rating system where it's like, you know, hundred percent of the time I fulfilled my obligations or, you know, uh, or you're like a bad eBay seller or like, I gotta like, a it should be
3: like people get money from you if you don't do what you say you're going to do. So it's like they sign mm. up and then like you didn't do it. And then so all of a sudden like a dollar to each person from your bank account goes into their bank account. Oh, like a reverse Kickstarter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny Hit him where it hurts Chris The wallet
2: oh, I still feel like people You know I'll tell you why I'll tell you why not I'll tell you, I'll tell you why not Jonah Because people would rather Part with money Than pride They would rather pay To have something go away Than, than that sort of loss of pride If they could go Well you know what Fuck it I'll just You know I'll just pay out A thousand dollars And then that That totally washes my hands yeah, Of this yeah, emotional situation I think they. I think it's much more. There's much more accountability when you feel like you're you're shamed or you've let people down. Yeah. In some way, shame mm. billboards. Yeah. Shame now starter. Shame starter. Yeah.
0: <laughs> shame <laughs> starter. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: It could, I, think I think it's gonna work.
0: Wasn't there something that was? I, I feel like I saw this. I, I, I think that it was set up, um, to commemorate 9/11, and it was something where people would post good deeds that they had done, and then. Everyone reading it was supposed to do a good deed of their own and post that.
2: Hmm. Oh,
3: that's do you cool. Remember what I, no, it I don't sounds remember that. Familiar.
0: Yeah, it's like a um, pay it forward
3: kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. So, Katie, I'm looking at that. did the did the can we get the numbers on if the world became a better place after that? What do, <laughs>
2: how do the numbers fall in line, Katie? Better place? Yes.
3: Oh, the world is a better place? Yeah. Well, oh, mathematically,
2: good. the world is technically a better place.
0: Yeah. Wonderful.
2: It's good to know.
0: Nothing? like Spreadkindness.org? Is that it? That might have been it. That let's sounds say, kind of familiar. Let's say
2: that's what it is. I don't know. It's the only legit
3: site that seems to come
0: up. Yeah.
2: Are you um? I so. Are you working on a bunch of new songs now, or are you... In between,
0: I, I am, and actually, what Jonah was saying about having something coming up and having that spur you forward, it's definitely knowing that I have shows coming up is inspiring because I want to have as many new songs in my arsenal as possible sure. that I can choose from. That's right, so, you're going
3: to be shuffling songs week to yeah, week, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: I have, I mean, if somebody has a specific request they want to hear one week and I played it the week before, I can. It doesn't they don't all have to be b- songs that I've never played before, but um, I think there's like there's at least five songs at the moment that I want to finish that are all kind of percolating and half written in my head. Mm-hmm. so I know I'll be able to finish those before those shows come up for sure and And then I have this, in addition to all the other songs, some of which are released and others. Aren't but I've played them live before. There's, there's also a lot of new songs on my new album, which is going to be released later this year, which is produced by Ben Foltz.
3: Yes, <laughs> I know and, Ben. Uh, I, you know,
0: I wasn't yes. I wasn't
2: trying to bring up Ben
3: too much, but uh, you know, I love him to death. <laughs> Since he produced it, are you going to do a cover of Common People?
0: No, no. I'm not. <laughs> ben, poor,
3: you know, poor Ben. We the um.
2: first time he was ever on the podcast. I feel like we, we – it was the first time I go, you know, we could just have him in a music studio and maybe if he's willing to play a song or two, then, you know. And so we got, we got the piano that he wanted and uh, we went into the studio and we had a, we had a super fun podcast. And then, um, and then he sat down and he was like, you know, what should I play? And so we requested a couple of our favorite songs. And I was so terrified that halfway through because it was just the three of us three the three hosts and yeah. our girlfriends. Yeah. And I was so terrified that he was just gonna st- turn around and go, yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. You just tricked <laughs> me <laughs> what? into playing philosophy yeah. for you. Yeah. You son of a bitch. But he was very he was very kind hearted about it. Yeah. Good dude.
0: Um the on the album there will be a um there's a duet that we did which was used on the end credits Of a film called Cold Turkey last year Cool And So that's going to be on The um, I guess it's I don't know if it's a It's going to be eight songs in total I don't I can't that's tell album. Is that an album yeah. or an EP?
3: That can be an album I would say, I'd album. say I would say
2: eight to twelve is an album Five, yeah. five to six Five to six Five's is an, an EP, EP yeah. Okay yeah. then it's an album You're an album You got an album Ooh. Yeah. Um, did uh, Oh th- Maybe this is a, a dumb question I just never asked, and I, 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 but from what I remember from the hotel cafe, and I haven't been there for a long time. But there is a sign there that says, Do not play Hallelujah. Is that tied to Jeff Buckley in some way? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, I remember that.
0: Is that in the room, not the main stage, but the, the sort of private room with the grand piano where they all congregate? Or did they get rid of that I room? I can't I remember. Know, I don't know.
3: Really I just, I, years They've ago, got a lot of stuff to it since the last time I've been there.
2: Years ago, I remember being there. I did a couple comedy shows there, and there was a sign there that I thought said essentially said, you cannot play Hallelujah. And I, I, I couldn't remember if someone told me or if I was like, is that because Jeff Buckley died and he played it here and that was his song
3: here? Like, I think he was dead before that place ever opened up. I would think so, right? Yeah, he died yeah. in like 96, right? Yeah, 96. yeah, that place didn't open up until about 2003 or And I have no idea what the... Maybe it's just history. everybody was covering it and they were just kind of sick Will of it. Will you please... <laughs> that's like stairway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, no Hallelujah. Denied.
2: <laughs> denied. Are you looking up uh, Hotel Cafe, Hallelujah, No Hallelujah?
3: What are you getting... Katie Levine <laughs> I saw a death cab there A long time ago Did you really? Yeah it was an acoustic uh, Set from Death Cab for Cutie it was, uh, it was real cool It was like during the day It was like uh, My friend was like Hey I got this extra pass It's supposed to be I'm not sure It's like I think it's Death Cab for Cutie I was like That's, That wouldn't happen Because they had just Kind of blown up With the uh, Sound of Settling And then like we went in And it was just this like 15 people there Watching them play It was really fucking cool Wow great. Yeah it was really Do really you prefer cool. playing
2: for like 100 people Or
3: like 10,000
2: people
0: I am I mean the the thing that's the most comfortable for me is playing for a smaller group. Mm-hmm. But but I'm trying to work on that because I've I've played at some bigger shows or festivals and that kind of thing where there's much bigger crowds and I still have pretty severe butterflies when that happens. So the trick I think is to just just imagine you're playing for people in your living room. It doesn't matter how many there are. And by the same token, if there's not that many people, it's, it's just as meaningful as if it's packed.
2: Um, I actually get more nervous if the number is small.
0: Do you, if there's like
2: 30, like, you know, if it's a show, if it's just like a small comedy show and there's like 30 people there, I, I get, I tend to get more nervous at those shows than if there's, if there are thousands of people. And the reason being, when there are a shit ton of people, it's almost like you're alone on stage because yeah. they become this like weird mass. Yeah. But with, thir- with like 30 people you're super accountable to every single one because you can see their faces. You're in a room of individuals. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it feels way more stressful to me than a bunch of people where it's just like, oh, well, this section got that joke and that, you know, like, fuck them. You know, there's too many. How could I please everybody? (laughs) But with 30 people, you're like, oh, my God, the guy in the third row. (laughs) What was his problem?
0: I think as a comedian, that might be even more the case, though, because... The thing that amazes me about what you do in that arena is just that you're asking people to have a verbal reaction to you. Yeah. You're asking them to laugh. And I save and lives physical. with it. Yes. Yeah.
2: That, so there's that too. I, I, I'm asking for a reaction <laughs> that is also saving lives.
0: That's right. I yeah. forgot about the. Yeah, yeah, saving yeah, yeah. yeah. I
2: mean, I'm not, you know, I mean, I think it's, I'm, it's okay to humble brag about saving lives. He's the lives. Of, course. of comedy.
0: <laughs> oh, it's God. okay. I I think it's a good thing to own up to your importance. You know in the it's world.
2: just oh, oh wait, this this is the live from those girls in the Get Famous reality girls. show docu series. One of them said, "Oh, I'm so glad this so nicely ties together cuz we're about we're at the end of the show, but it but she said something like it would be a shame if I Did not share my God-given talents with the world. It was like one of those kinds of statements, Uh but like totally no irony, Yeah, you know, Uh, and it just, you instantly were like, well, you're perfect for a reality show because you seem awful.
3: Yeah. I remember it was at, uh, Ted Nugent had a reality show and he had to like survive a week with Ted Nugent or some weird thing. And there was this one scene where it was like all the people sitting around, like, and there was this one dude, that like the worst dude in the group. He's, he's, like, you know, he's like, you know, I'm trying to do, uh, you know, I want to be famous. I want to be a famous actor, So I'm doing stand-up comedy, you know, start from the ground up. Uh, uh, you know, that's why I got this tattoo. And he takes off his shirt and he has, the, like, across his shoulders, like, in huge, in the Hollywood sign. Not just the word Hollywood mm. or the name Hollywood. Like, the little mountains and, the, uh, you know, the, it's like it's just Dennis Across his entire back, he's like, this is always remind me what I'm setting out to do.
0: And that's repulsive. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> and then you started doing Can you Imagine if you were on a date with that do- yeah. that guy and it was all going well, and yeah. you go back to his place and he mm. takes his shirt off. That would be yeah. that would be a total bust. And then you go it's literally
3: a bad sign. That would be
0: yeah. yeah, that's a bad sign.
3: And then you ask, like, why, the date why would be over like, oh, I used to have a dream. <laughs> now I live in Texas again. Oh man. Oh. Now oh.
2: I wonder. It never occurred to him like, okay, so if I want to be an actor, at some point I might be required to not have a giant Hollywood sign across my back for a role.
0: They're going to ask him to take his shirt off for a love scene and it's going to cost him a part (laughs) because he's going to say Hollywood Uh,
3: on the back. So I know. (laughs) God, the worst. And then he did stand up for people sitting around a fire and it was all just real racist. Oh, no. The guy was the worst. It was great. Wow. Yeah.
2: So where can people follow you on um, various social media outlets?
0: On Twitter, I am Alicia Witty.
2: Excellent. Um, Alicia Witt
0: was taken by a real Alicia Witt.
2: Oh, not a fake so, one. No.
0: <laughs> so, no. Um, so it's wit with a Y on the end. And then uh, my website is aliciawittmusic.com.
2: Did that same person take that website too?
0: <laughs> well, Alicia Witt was taken. God. That might be, it might be a squatter on that. I don't think it's you think so? the Alicia Witt who has the Twitter.
3: There's no way in this gigantic world that someone else might have the name Alicia Witt? Nope, just one other person. Several
0: people do, but I seem to remember seeing pictures of me on it. Oh, On right. the com one.
3: Now with that information, I take back my snarky comment. <laughs> but but <laughs> the Twitter yes. one is a
0: definite... Real person. <laughs> right, so,
2: so Alicia Whitty
3: on Twitter. And, uh, um,
2: and then people should come see, well, obviously Justified. When, when's Justified come back? Is, that, is it soon?
0: Justified is, well, I'm not sure yet if I'm in the last season, but oh, I, was, I was all in season five, which yeah. finished airing and is now out on Netflix and Amazon and all of that. Various
2: digital outlets.
0: And, um, yeah, the the residency at Hotel Café. Starts August 10th, and then okay. it will be four Sundays in a row at 9 p.m. Okay. And they're selling tickets online at uh, hotelcafe.com.
2: Excellent. <laughs>
3: Alicia Witte, uh, <laughs> an <laughs> album, album produced by Ben Folds out later this year.
0: Yes, that's right. Does you have a name? I think it might be called About Me. That's the name of one of my songs. I haven't quite decided, but I think I might call it that.
2: So, on your website, if people click that, they're going to be like, oh, is this the album or is this the part where she talks? About? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the about me part. <laughs> uh,
0: but as of right now, that one's not out yet. I have other albums and singles that are out. Excellent. And um, they're all out on iTunes and whatever.
2: It's been so lovely chatting with you.
0: It's so good talking to you, too. At, at
2: length, finally, for once, as opposed to,
0: hey, good to see you. <laughs> well, uh, we should all get together soon. We should hang out. I you know. know. Like
2: now we actually did it in podcast form.
0: I'm very glad that we did. Me it's too. been a lot Me of too. fun.
2: It's been a
3: good
0: time. Nut milk bag. Hair <laughs> in nut- the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I hope those dogs don't shed in my bed tonight.
1: <laughs> <I love> them, <laughs> but squeeze I hate in
0: them. my nut bags. <laughs> and the milk comes out into my mouth. <laughs>
2: it tastes so right. No soy tonight. <laughs> the end. Almond joy <laughs> Oh, that's the tie-in.
3: Here it is. There it is. Enjoy your burrito. We did it. Cool.
1: Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Once upon a beat.